You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. Each week, a member of our staff shares a Devo, talking through a piece of our mission, vision, and culture. This is that Devo. Let's check it out. So, uh, good morning. This this morning, I'm uh, bringing a Devo that's partially adapted from this book here. Um, If you're listening, you can't see it, um, but it's called A Psalm in Your Heart, and it's by Dr. George Wood, and I'll talk a little bit more about that book. Um, But this morning, I want to come from uh, Psalm 128. So if you want to follow along, you can, but I'm going to read it for you from the New Living Translation. And it says this, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Um, Now, this particular psalm is the ninth psalm of ascent. There's a group of 15 psalms, and they're songs that pilgrims would have been singing as they journeyed from um, 1,200 feet below sea level, so imagine that, to the city of Jerusalem, which is a uh, 2,400-foot-high city. So it was a journey to get there. And they would do that during times of festivals and feasts when they went to Jerusalem to celebrate those. Um, So I'm taking a few thoughts from this devotional. Pastor Annie and I use it um, for teacher devotions um, over at Word of Life Christian Academy every Monday. And um, I actually picked this book up a few years ago, and it was written by, as I said earlier, Dr. George Wood. He was um, the general uh, general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and I highly recommend this book. It's called A Psalm in Your Heart. Um, It's just great. It's challenging. Um, So I want to take this psalm, take a little bit um, from this reading and talk a little bit about leadership um, and how we can look at this psalm as we do something um, special within leadership because Pastor Megan gave me a challenge when she asked me to do a Devo today. She said anything about leadership but bonus points if it attaches to one of the core values. So never one to back down from bonus points on an assignment Um, I decided I wanted to find something that pulled in some leadership ideas and also embraced on a core value here at Word of Life. And so I'm going to focus on um, embracing the essentials or as Josh Burns said, E to the V, E to the E. Was that it? E to the E? Um, So as we lead people to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus, we as leaders need to embrace the essentials. So um, these Psalms of Ascent, they start at Psalm 120. And if you start to read them in order, you see a whole bunch of things that this pilgrim, this person who was journeying to Jerusalem, has already dealt with. Um, He's dealt with poor treatment from others. He's dealt with personal vulnerability. He's dealt with blows to his self-worth. He's dealt with danger and threats to his survival. He's dealt with oppression. A whole bunch of things that were outside of his control on this journey. But he had to overcome them to get to the place where he was going that God had called him to. And by the time we get to Psalm 128, we're now looking at things that he can control, things that he is responsible for on this journey. So as leaders, it's important to know that some things are out of our control. 
right? Completely out of our control. We can't do anything about those things. But the things that we can control in our walk with Jesus and as we're leading others and modeling those things, uh, modeling things to those around us, those need to be looked at carefully and we need to take responsibility for them. And so one way we can do this is to prioritize the basics or embrace the essentials. And in that way, we can influence our teams. We can influence other leaders. We can influence people in our circle and those around us who don't know Jesus as we lead ourselves, um, as we follow Jesus, and we can influence people to look at the essentials themselves. So here are a few practical ideas that came from this passage. Um, the first thing is place God at the center. Place God at the center. So uh, Dr. Wood says, the starting place and fundamental essential for good living lies in the quality of your relationship with the Lord. Verse one says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. This is something we are in charge of. This is our responsibility. We have to make our relationship with God the center. He loves us deeply and he wants to be at the very center of everything that happens in our lives. And the word says he will bring us joy if we do that. And joy is contagious. Just as negativity is contagious, joy is contagious. So if we're if we're digging in on that relationship, there will be joy that radiates off of us and influences others around us. Placing the intimacy of this relationship at the center of our lives rather than at on a list where we check a box off, if we place that at the center of our lives, it's essential. And we should be treating this relationship with reverence and with focus. And this includes times of worship and devotion, prayer, listening to God's voice, ingesting, eating his word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us from his word and from our times with him, and then applying those things to our lives. They all work together. If we're missing any piece of that, um, there's a gap in our relationship. And when we do that as leaders, we set our priorities appropriately. We avoid hypocrisy because if we say one thing and do another, we're hypocritical. And we set a standard for the mission. Because when we're focused in on the one whose mission we're part of, then we're, we're leading others and leading ourselves well. The second thing that is an essential is we need to move forward with intention. Verse two says, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. So there are times as leaders when we get to see the fruit of our labor. That might be something uh, like a child digging into the word of God as she's taught every week and she comes up and says, I want to be baptized. How can I do that? It may be a chance to pray with somebody at um, an outside event or in our family or in a job that we have who wants to meet Jesus because of our influence in their lives. It could be a family on the outskirts of our fellowship, and I've seen this happen, who all of the sudden start feeling comfortable and connected because over and over and over, they were greeted each week by the greeters, the cafe team, the ushers, the people in the lobby. Any number of those things can be rewarding to us as leaders. Sometimes we don't get to see the fruit 
of our labor. Sometimes we work and we work and we work, and yet we have a promise here that we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so we can be rewarded in, in the moment, and there may be a time much later down the road or even in eternity when we are rewarded. And as we move forward with intention as leaders, it's important to model for our teams that what we are doing matters and it's all part of the mission and it's our job as leaders to connect those dots for our teams so that means you matter the mission matters and your part of the mission moves it forward that's how we can lay out vision for our teams so that they understand that what they're doing makes a difference does my team know that? Do they know how to make it make a difference? And do we let them know when there's a reward being seen so that they're encouraged and able to continue to move forward with intention? The third thing in this psalm is valuing life-giving relationships. Um, now, I think it's very important to have relationships with people that can uh, pour life into you and you can pour life back into. Peers in ministry, peers in leadership, um, people who are living God-centered and faithful lives because they can encourage us, they can pray with us, they can even hold us accountable when we need to be held accountable, and they can help us get back on track when we're veering off track. Um, and in the psalm, it suggests that we also need to nourish the relationships we have um, with those that Pastor Annie calls our first ministry, our spouses, our children, our families. Um, this passage, I think it's uh, verse 4, it alludes to fruitful vines and olive trees. And that suggests that if we nurture and care for these very important ministries, they will provide nourishment for our lives as well. When we neglect that first ministry, it will almost always have detrimental effects on our leadership. When we start to let that priority slip, not only will our families be deeply affected, but we ourselves as leaders will be deeply affected. And we need to model this for our teams. They need to know that they don't just have permission to prioritize their families when needed, but it's important to us that they do so because we're doing it too. Um, there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. I don't know if any of you have read it, um, but one of the opening moments in the story um, talks about the author and his wife. They brought a couple in to their home and the couple was going through some stuff and they spent all this time with them while their children are kind of managing themselves and they start to feel kind of this tension that maybe they should be closing the meeting but these people really seem to need their time and all of a sudden they realize that one of their children is missing and they find her in the backyard in a pool almost up to her nose um, unattended um, and fortunately she was safe but um, it took several years before the author's eyes were open realizing my priorities are out of alignment because I'm getting my emotional um, recharging from the place that I shouldn't. Um, and so when, when I read that story uh, many years ago, I was reminded of moments when I placed ministry or reaching out to people above needs that were very pressing in my own family. And it was to my family's de detriment. And so that's a tension to manage, right? Because we're, we're ministering to other people, we're leading other people, and we have a mission and yet God has called us to our families. So we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us. We have to let scripture guide us. And we have to check in and make sure that we're modeling that for our teams. And the fourth thing is look to the future with excitement 
and optimism. Verses five and six say this, may the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Now, this one is something that we need to listen for and speak. Um, sometimes we're looking at planning center spots um, or the needs of people on our teams or something that's happening in our group that's really overwhelming, the next event, whatever is going on. And we're just overwhelmed by the tasks. We're just overwhelmed by the moment. And it happens to all leaders. But we have to look at the future with excitement and optimism. We have to keep our eyes on the ultimate mission, which is to continue what Jesus started, right? I should get more bonus points because I mentioned that too, right? Um, Pastor Megan, when you listen back to that, I get extra points for that. Um, Jesus was the ultimate small group leader, right? He, he built the foundation for the entity that we now call the church, and he modeled all of the things that I'm talking about. He placed God at the center of his focus. He would steal away often to spend time with the Father, and he would point to truth when, when lies crept in, and he would live out scripture for all to see because his relationship with the Father was so important. He moved forward with intention. He didn't allow himself to get sidetracked um, by the things around him. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He loved the outcast. He made a place at the table for all. He had the option. He had the power to walk away. He wouldn't have had to go through all of the things that he went through, but he knew what the mission was and he lived with intention and he chose to put his weight, his efforts behind all of that. He valued life-giving relationships. He poured wisdom and instruction into the 12. And I can imagine him dancing at that wedding with his friends. Um, I can imagine him laughing with the children. I can imagine him sharing stories around fires as they're traveling and, and, and asking his um, disciples about their lives, even though he already knew, and then letting them speak. Um, I can imagine him hugging his mother closely. He poured into those life-giving relationships, and he looked to the future with excitement and optimism. He didn't just see the difficulty ahead that he was about to face. His 33 years on earth were packed with the fulfillment of prophecy, and he knew that what he came to do was important. But in the middle of that, he also pointed to a future behind his sacrificial death and his resurrection so that his followers could see what was to come, why he did what he did, and why he was leading them to do the same. Uh, just a few instances. Matthew 24, he said, the Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven. John 14, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm preparing a place for you there. Mark 16, he said, signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And of course, Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples. Continue what I have started. As we follow him, as we lead others, as we work to continue what he started, let's embrace the essentials. Let get, let's get our priorities straight. Let's move forward with purpose to become leaders who lead others to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can always find your plan and your purpose for our lives in your word. I pray for the leaders in this room and those who are listening. God, I pray that you would stir up in them a desire to not just influence those around them, not just to get their tasks done, not just to get to the next event, but Lord, to be an example of one who is focused on their relationship with God, who is prioritizing the right thing, moving forward with intention, and looking ahead to what you're going to do. 
We thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen.